wash your hands! Hey, Maniacs. It's Midsummer Maniacs. Hey, the return of Midsummer back. Maniacs. Oh, we only We're took back. a week off. <laughs> We're thanks, back. Thanks, everyone, for understanding that we need to take a week off. Boy, if we thought last week was busy, we had no idea what this week was going to be like. It is. It's craziness out there. First of all, please, everyone, be safe. Self-isolate. Wash your hands. Do all those good things. Take care of yourselves and the people that you love. Absolutely. As a result of the coronavirus and all the fallout from that, um, we are actually at home for a few weeks. Yes, my school is uh, closed. The classes are moved online and uh, I will have loads of time to work on the podcast. I don't know that I'll have loads of time because I'll be working from home, but I'll have a little bit more flexibility, certainly. Yep. Um, and as a result of that, we thought just to kind of keep everybody cheered up and, you know, in that British killing people mood. Yes. <laughs> we've got a little treat for you coming midweek. But not like a 28 days later mood. Not like, no, not like a zombie breakout mood. It's not that bad. No. Not yet, no, anyway. Though no. the grocery store is a bit scary. I, I did go grocery shopping yesterday, and it was kind of crazy. You even went, what, 7 o'clock in the morning? 7.30 in the morning. And it was already nuts. It was already nuts. We are going to have a little treat for you um, midweek. Look for it Wednesday in all the social media places. We're going to post a list of 10 things to watch while you're at home self-quarantining that you'll like if you like Midsummer. And, of course, if you have suggestions... After you see our list, please reply and contribute to the list. Everybody will benefit. Absolutely. Things to keep you busy while you're at home. Busy. All right. Let's get busy. The Sins of Commission. Sins of Commission, episode four of season seven and our episode 32. And Midsummer Maniacs is a podcast dedicated to the ITV series, Midsummer Mirrors. Each week, we dig into an episode, the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. And we should say, as we always do, if your kids can handle Midsummer, they can handle the maniacs. I'm Sarah. I'm Mark. <laughs> We're we, still ourselves. Okay. And, and we got so much love. Taking a week off, we got so much love from people. It was so nice. I just want to thank everybody for all the kind words you said. You mean nobody replied and went, oh, well, I'm not going to listen to you anymore then. Ugh. No, no one did that. At all. Of course they didn't, because there are peeps. They are. They're like us. We wouldn't do that. So, Sins of Commission, filmed in July and August of 2003. Broadcast date, 18th of January, uh, 2004, not 19. We're we're into the new century now. (laughs) 1904. Uh, Yeah. 9.71 million viewers, directed by Peter Smith and written by Elizabeth Ann Wheel. And it takes place in Midsummer. St. Michael. Which is a weird name. I gotta say, I'm okay with Midsummer Magnum, but Midsummer St. Michael sounds weird. Yeah, it's the most kind of Catholic name we've heard so far, I think. And I mean, there's, there's been some Latin-y names like Magna, but... 
There's definitely a girl's school tacked on here. I don't know why it's here. I don't know either. It's just an excuse to have a bunch of girls together. I guess. Um, it's set in the summertime when the school, which is a boarding school, is out of session. So the girls that are there are there because they're taking like summer classes. Uh, Kay calls them a cram session. So no. there's not very many of them. They're there because they're hippies. <laughs> they're there because they're going, going to be ogled, apparently. But we'll get okay. to that. We'll get to that. So we're going to do... certainly not music classes. Woo! <laughs> we're going to do like a quick overview, quick summary of the episode. We've assumed that um, you've at least seen it once. Maybe you watched it recently, so you don't need a whole lot of detail. We'll go over that. And then we've got some fun stuff to dig into. Are you ready? So this episode is really centered around a writing competition. The Midsummer St. Michael's writing Maplin Prize. It's the Literary Festival. The Literary Festival. They get uh, 20K for the winner of the Literary Festival that was a gift by Connor Maplin. Right. And it's for first-time authors. And the trustees of this fund are Tim Settingfield, Grace Maplin, who is Connor's ex-wife, and Camilla Crofton. Mm-hmm. So... They're choosing who's going to win. Wait a minute. Grace Maplin isn't Connor's ex-wife. She's his widow. Yes. She's his widow. Yeah. Correct. Correct. She just, he just didn't leave her much. No. No. <laughs> yeah. So they're the trustees uh, for the prize, but they also organize the festival every year. And you know there's a literary festival because there's a giant book. Yes. And <laughs> Camilla Crofton is a author. Tim Settingfield runs a bookstore. And Grace Maplin's the the widow of of Connor Maplin. Now, there's another author who's on the committee. Well, there's a couple of other authors on the committee. They're they're guest judges. Yes. Harry Paulson is one. He's a former copper and now author. And oh, oh boy, Jezebel Tripp. She's a trip, all right. She is. And we get to talk all about her. And they're, they're both represented by Sam Callahan, who is a publisher and Neville Williams, who is the editor. Though Jezebel thinks he's uh, like marketing. I don't. I, we're, we'll talk about the misunderstandings about publishing in this episode here in a minute. So we get, we get Jezebel coming into town. Prior to that in the cold open, we've got Mr. Red Shoes, who discovers Richard Rackham's dead body but, in his home. But doesn't kill Richard. Nope, he discovers his body. And this is Neville in the Red Shoes. Yes, and steals the thickest laptop I've ever seen. With so many peripherals attached to it. Which apparently, uh, according to some folks online, don't actually work with the printer that's sitting there next to it. No, they don't. And a USB cord that rearranges itself. It reverses itself between scenes. No, there's no USB cord there. There wouldn't have been USB there. It's some kind of cord. Some kind of cord. They're all serial port cords. Yeah. Richard's dead. The literary festival goes on. Jezebel's a handful. So She's got everybody hopping on her thing, command. One thing we didn't plan out, and I want to talk about really quickly here, is Jezebel has a theme song. The that, song that she plays in her red convertible every time we see her in the car. Yes. That song, as far as I can tell, and I looked, was created for this episode. Yeah, and I can't find a credit for it anywhere. Uh, it's not in the credits at all, so they had to, I would assume the guy who does the music for the episode, he wrote and performs that song. 
But she cranks it up like it's a jam, and it's not. It's no jam. <laughs> it's, it is it is no jam. <laughs> no jam and it at make, all. It makes no sense at all. It makes her look lame rather than cool, which she's clearly supposed to be. Well, it gives her something to do when she's almost almost kiss, killing Scott. Yeah. She shows up. She starts throwing her weight around. Bosses people around. She's got a flunky with her, whose name I always want to say is Ludlow. No, it's David Lowry, yes. who's supposed to be her personal trainer, but is actually her ghostwriter, who's not a ghostwriter yet because she's not a writer. I'll tell you how much of a flunky he is. He doesn't even make the who's who page in the magazine. Magazine? The Midsummer Murder Magazine. I hold in my hand uh, the Midsummer Murders official collection on DVD with magazine published fortnightly. Oh my gosh, guys, we are so excited about this. We, so I, uh, in doing research for another episode, found some images that were screenshots of a magazine dedicated to Midsummer Murder. It was clearly a guide that went along with the DVDs, but it was in German. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so this magazine exists. Why don't we own it? Yes. So I found out that it was only released in Germany, Australia, and one other country I can't remember right now. So Australia was the only one that was in English. So I went on the hunt. I found somebody on eBay who had like 50 issues of it that they were selling as a lot. And I bought those babies. Oh, and we got them. (laughs) (laughs) He's sitting here flipping through it, looking at it like, like there's a centerfold in it. He's so excited. So this includes a who's who of every episode Plus, and, and this is why we, we saw it. That's how I found it, because it had the family tree in it. Last the family the, tree um, from the, the last Fisher episode. King. Yep. Yeah. It's not every episode. It's got a murder map, which actually is pretty nice. It shows you where everybody uh, lives and where they were killed. Midsummer, St. Michael. There's a thing on a couple of the guest stars. There's a thing on the house, which uh, is the manor. My favorite article was about Derek Bain, who edits... Midsummer Murder. It's an interview with the editor. Yep. And finally, there is a whole thing about the director of the episode as well. It's just fantastic. Maybe we can scan like a page. Uh, well, I think at the very least, we can scan in the murder map so people can see what where everyone's house is. Because they're not available anymore. I nope. realized that somebody uh, owns the copyright to them, but... Since they're not available, you can't buy them anymore. We're not really taking money out of anybody's pocket if we scan a page. No, and I don't think we'll scan a page for every episode. No, but, but, but just to give you an idea. At least give you the cover so you can see what you're missing. Because <laughs> we have them all now. <laughs> Mark's been petting them kind of like, my precious. We also have a few friends in the town that we live in who listen to the podcast who, when they find out we have the magazine, may be like, hmm. Quarantine, schmorantine, I'm coming over. Can we borrow some of those magazines? <laughs> All right, let's get back to the episode. So Roger, uh, Richard Kay Rackman Setting, is dead. Right, and Kay Settingfield finds his body. Yeah. She, they're friends. She comes by, she finds the body, she calls the police. It's murder. She steals a postcard from the mantle. Right in front of Tom. Yeah, and we find out that Richard's... Very successful first novel, which won the prize the year before, is called Narcomania. What is Narcomania? It's a narcotic addiction. Yeah, it's a fancy name for that. And also, he's the gay. Note the the gay, because 
of his gay magazines. They're gay gay magazines. They're super gay magazines, apparently, because they just say this is a gay magazine on the cover. And the, both those magazines, Gay Life and Gay Times, I think the other one is, are both real magazines. I couldn't get back issues back that far to see which ones they but were. But they're not naked man magazines. They're no, like they're like gay lifestyle like magazines. Vogue. Yeah. Right. They're, they're they, lifestyle. They way oversimplify <laughs> that whole issue with those magazines. Yeah. They're like, they're just out in the open here. Yeah. Because they're just magazines. They're just magazines. It's not porn, people. Nope. But they make it look like it is. Everybody arrives for the contest. Mm-hmm. But Tim and his sister Kay have something planned. Yeah, it's it's clear that there's a couple of groups of people who are conspiring. So we've got Kay and Tim, brother and sister. They're conspiring to do something behind the scenes. With, but then, with John Denton. Right, with John Denton. So that's one group of people. And then there's Neville and Sam and Jezebel, who clearly have some conspiring going on between them, but we don't know what it's about. Yes, and then also we have... Grace and Mrs. Honeycutt, who are obviously up to no good in terms of the festival itself and money. It's a big red herring, but I love Mrs. Honeycutt. She's so strangely weird. Well, and um, Mrs. Honeycutt and Grace's, I, I mean, I, I guess they're stealing money. Yeah. Well, they're, o- they're overcharging. They're having the people at the festival overcharge the the trust, trust and then splitting the difference. Splitting the difference. But that gives um, John Denton and Cully Barnaby a reason to hang out together and play Tommy and Tuppence. Cully Barnaby? Is she like related to Tom Barnaby somehow? Well, you can't tell that she's related by looking at her, but you can recognize her from the previous episode because she's wearing the same damn outfit. Yes. Is Cully's wardrobe budget that small? I think she probably had to wear her own clothes. That she can only wear that one boat neck top, which is super cute. I like that top, but I don't like it that much. Well, you know who else likes it? John Denton likes it. Yeah, he likes it. He's a pheasant plucker. (laughs) He's a plucker. He works for Fife's Fine Foods. Fife's Fine Foods. As a pheasant plucker. No. Um, Yeah, he works for the catering company. As well as being an author. And a... Former bad boy. And he went to the army. Yeah. Tom and Harry both know um, John Denton because when he was younger, he got into some trouble with the law. He was on the wrong path. Harry kind of straightened him out. Then he went into the military. And when he came out, he was a writer. Yep. And and a caterer or a pheasant plucker. And Harry Paulson is an ex-copper who now writes crime novels, but it turns out he only goes, he has somebody ghostwrite him and he just basically reads them and says, yeah, this is okay or it's not. He's come, he comes up with the plot and yep. somebody else writes it out. Somebody else writes it And he's it making all. good money doing it, yep. right? Um, oh, he's also the gay. Yeah. So we find out that the postcard that Kay stole was actually to Richard from Neville mm-hmm. and it was had some kind of love message on it. Love, love. So now we know that Neville and Richard had a thing going Then we later find out that Richard and Harry had a thing going. So Richard and Neville. Harry's kind of an old dude to be getting it on with guys like Richard and Neville who are young and handsome. Richard and Harry. Richard and and Neville and Harry. Yeah. And Richard and Neville. As well as Tim and Grace and Grace and Helen. Grace and Sam. And Sam. Not Grace and Helen. Not Grace and Helen. They're not the gay. There's gays, but there's no lesbians in this episode. 
We've got just about everything else. We've got brother and sister who are, I don't think they're too close, but they're weird. But it's weird how the Tim Grace thing is thrown in. It's just like an afterthought. Yeah, because he clearly idolizes her her dead husband. Well, she, he calls, and yet he was willing to have an affair with her behind his back. Tim says that Connor was his soulmate. Yeah. Which led me to think that maybe they were the gay. No, I don't think so. I no. think they were just really close friends. Yeah. Cully's serving drinks at the literary festival kickoff dinner. Jezebel apparently tells a really funny joke. Uh, well, is the funny joke... I don't know how to wear clothes that show off my figure. Wow. That's wow. Woo. Can we get her a bra, please? It's, it's not a matter of a bra. Okay. I'm going to try my best here. Well, and let me say, hey, wear a bra, don't wear a bra. I don't yeah. care. But that dress needed something. That red dress needed some kind she, of foundation garment to make it look good. The blue shirt and the red dress both need some lift. I'm just and, saying. And for a character who's supposed to be super hot to trot. Yeah. They don't do her any justice. No. And she, she looks, it makes her look bad. Yeah. Makes her look less sloppy, less sexy and sophisticated than she's and supposed to. More sloppy. Yeah. I, I just don't think, I think they could have done better with her outfits. She's also got that. She's rocking that hairdo at the dinner when she's wearing the red dress that, yep. um, that women at that time, some women at that time wore which was where you pulled all of your hair over to one side and like stuck a comb in it to keep it there. Yes. But it wasn't really up. Yes. So at the party, Neville dies. Yeah. And we find, they find Neville on the patio. So it looks like he fell from the roof and smashed his head. But George almost immediately goes, nope, he was bludgeoned with a big rock or something and then fell off the roof. Like, how does Georgie know that? Because George knows everything. I'm calling him Georgie now from now on. Because <laughs> Tom calls him Georgie. Tom calls him Georgie. And of course, is this the first time we see Tom in a tux? Because he's at the party, of course. For yeah, uh, I think it may be the first time we see him in black tie. Yeah, yeah, I think it may be because when he was he he didn't dress up when he went to the play or uh, what's her name's funeral. No, you don't wear a tux to a funeral. No, that would be weird. That's weird. It is a weird <laughs> funeral already. I think we see him in a tux again, but I yeah. think this may be the first time we see him in a tux. So they go to Neville's room, they find the red trainers, and they also find the broken piggy bank that got stolen. Yeah, it was on Richard's mantle, and it's been stolen. So now we've got Richard dead, Neville dead, and still Kay and Tim and John Denton are still conspiring. And they have that great scene in the, the bathtub where... It's not a bathtub. It's no, a it's swimming pool. Swimming pool. <laughs> they have this great. If the three of them were in the bathtub together, that would be a completely different scene. Very different scene. They're at the Ludo, yeah. which is part of the school, yes. which because Kay is kind of running the school for the summer, she opens up to the public. Isn't yeah. that nice? So Camilla can also be there. Yes. So they're talking and they're like, well, we didn't kill him. Did you kill him? You know, if you want to have a secret conversation don't have it in an echoey indoor pool because there are no secrets in an indoor pool. Absolutely not. But that shot is well done. Yeah. It's really well oh, done. Oh, it's fun. Yeah. And they're clearly not the bad guys. No. Like they're conspiring, but they're not evil. No. Like when Sam and Neville and Jezebel are talking, they're clearly up to no good. Speaking of Jezebel, her and her boyfriend, what's his name? Leighton Lifton? Lowry. Lowry. Sneak off. I just call him Mr. Badwig. 
Oh, he has bad in my notes, though. I don't think it's a wig. I think it's just really bad hair. Sneak off and hide a laptop outside. (laughs) Though there are a number of inside locations, they could have hidden it. Well, she meets up with Lowry with Richard's laptop because she wants him to destroy it. Yes. But he doesn't feel good doing that. So he just leaves it in the bushes behind a stump by the coolest gatehouse ever it's all black that black gatehouse is actually the gatehouse for hall barn okay which is a an estate that we've seen before in midsummer okay because hall barn was also um the estate of the talbots in saint mally's day that gatehouse oh it's so awesome it's like black black but black 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 yep it's super cool it's all black so i needed to find out where it was Turns out it's the gatehouse for Hall Barn, which was, which is the, the worst name for a beautiful estate. Yeah. It was the family home of the Talbots in the murder on St. Mally's Day. Okay. The one that's kind of like a, it's like a three-story cube with yeah. a pond behind it and the folly on the other side. Yeah. So that's the gatehouse for that house. Oh. I found all kinds of pictures of the outside of it, but I can't find a darn picture of the inside of it. Well, it's I, too dark. I, well, I wonder if there is an inside. There might not be. Or if it's just kind of like a fixture and yeah, not really a building. Could be. But hey, if anybody out there can find a picture of the inside of the Black Lodge, which is the gatehouse. Well, the Black Hall Lodge Barn. is a whole different podcast. Okay, yeah, but that's my Twin Peaks podcast. I know, but this thing's called the Black Lodge, which makes wow. it even cooler. That's even cooler. We got to put a picture of it in the show notes yeah. for sure. If anybody's been there, if you've been, I think it's in um, Berkshire. I yeah, think. Beaconshire. If anybody's been there and you know anything about it, leave us a comment. Yes, please. I'm dying to know. I, I want to own that thing. Tell us about the Black Lodge. I would gladly live in that thing. Yes. It's so cool. Anyway, I'll start geeking out about that. So Richard and Neville are both dead. Jez has tried to hand off the laptop, but Mr. Badwig wouldn't take it. Now we've got a key to a locker because it was in Neville's pocket that he got out of the piggy bank from Richard's house. They figure out it's a locker key to a locker at the Ludo where they find a box of royalty statements and one conspicuous love letter. And who gives them the tip? Camilla. Yeah. Who hid the love letter in there. Who's the killer and planted the whole thing in the first place. Yes. So they, they find a box of royalty statements. And they are... Not only Richard's royalty statements, they're Jezebel's royalty statements, too. Yes. So clearly Richard thought there was something going on with Sam, his publisher. Because it's tiny. It's barely ever talked about. But Richard was also a bookkeeper as well as a book writer. Yeah. He kept the books for for Grace Maplin, but he also kept some of the books for the publisher. For Sam. Yeah. Mrs. Honeycutt's taking money. Cully and John see her doing it. And then we see her at the travel agency booking a trip to Barbados. Austin travel. A one way. Is that where Cully used to work? I'm assuming so. There can't be more than one travel agency in Costa. Even then in the two thousands, travel industry was on the way out. Travel agencies are so quaint now Yep. to think of somebody actually going to a travel agent to book a trip is so funny. The first time I went to England, I booked a bunch of travel through a travel agent that I never met. And they probably mailed you your plane tickets they, in the mail. They mailed my plane tickets. And you had to, to keep track of them because if you lost them, you were screwed. Rude. <laughs> and now 
here's my phone. Just scan this QR code. See, I'm on this flight. Yeah. Off you go. John and Cully arrest. They do a citizen's arrest of Mrs. Honeycutt to stop her from leaving. Bring her into. Uh, well, before that, before they do the arrest on her, she finds Jezebel dead. Oh, just skipped right over Jezebel being dead. Yes. <laughs> How could I forget Jezebel being dead? Because when she dies, you're like, oh, good. Okay. Because <laughs> God, she's annoying in every way. But she, there's not one redeeming quality about that character. Richard Rackham falls down the stairs. Yes. Neville falls off a height. Right. But Jezebel gets sticked with a pokey poke. She gets bludgeoned and stabbed with a tent pole, a tent stake. Yes. A wrought iron tent stake. At first I thought it was a crowbar. Yeah. This literary festival is in the middle of being tore down and picked, put up all through this episode. I never know what they're doing to it. I know in those, in all the B-roll shots, it's like random people just kind of moving things around between tents. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't know if they're like disassembling everything. I'm, you know, we know Camilla has some Kung Fu anyway, right? Because she was in the gulag and then she was a secret agent. But the fact that she can go over and pull a pentag out of the floor, out of the ground, which you know was driven in with a sledgehammer for a big tent like that, they're not just, you know, stomped into the ground. Camilla is actually Black Widow, though. Apparently, she's a super powered person. So after Jezebel is found dead, then they do the citizen, citizen's arrest. Yes. On Mrs. Honeycutt. Mrs. Honeycutt. And that's when Cully has to admit that she and John have been sleuthing. Yes. And Tom says, well, I'm disappointed you didn't tell me, but, but keep, keep doing, doing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Which he would never say, not a policeman. No. No, no, no. He goes to confront Grace about the money and she admits it. Yep. In her sitting room, well, it's not her sitting room. I think it's an office in her house because there's a, a draftsman's table there. And yeah. then there's, it's clearly maybe somebody paints or I don't know. But we've already had a postcard and a piggy bag on a mantle. On her mantle, there is a weird sculpture that I think is of a diving otter. Yes, but it doesn't look like a diving otter. Well, it's all white. It's ceramic. So there's no details painted on it. No. It's just white. It's either kind of an abstract diving otter or a giant sperm with feet. Yep. Viewer, you be the judge. You be the judge. It's behind Grace Maplin. We were on the mantle. Completely obsessed with (laughs) it. I just kept pausing looking at it going, what is that? I looked it up. I tried to find a, a sculpture that was similar. I couldn't find anything like that. But I did not search for sculpture of giant sperm with feet. I no. looked for diving otter. It was bad so. enough that I look up all the gay magazines. There's nothing wrong with gay There's magazines. There's nothing wrong with gay magazines, but I, I looked all over for gay magazines from that time. <laughs> and then you went back. How many past issues do you have online? Can yeah. I look? Yeah. yeah. So Then Cully makes out with Denton. Now, we never see him again. No, no, no. She doesn't make out with Denton until the very end. And she goes to his house. Yeah. That's not at the very end. Oh, yeah. There's a kissy kiss. You're right. Yeah. In my notes. He's actually doing writing there. The first and only time that we see someone doing writing in this episode, an episode about writers. We're going to talk about that. Okay. If we can get through this summary, we're going to talk about that. We have the citizen's arrest of Mrs. Honeycutt and then the award ceremony. Oh, no, no, wait. We have the break-in at Camilla's before then. Well, we've got two break-ins. So one... Camilla's alarm clock, alarm goes off. It's not her alarm clock. 
Her security alarm goes she off. She could kung fu the alarm clock, too. <laughs> so the coppers come running, and Tom and Scott reach, sneak into the house to find her and Sam on the couch, and pretending a- to look like they've just been interrupted making out, which, yeah. um, ew, because he's so gross. He is repulsive. Never mind that we've already seen him make out with Grace. Ew. And, and okay, she is a, a wonderful woman. Camilla or Grace? A, 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 Camilla is very handsome. She's older sophisticated woman. and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It, this just feels like catching teenagers and yeah. it just was gross. Yeah. Then we have another break in, which is where Lowry tries to get into Grace Maplin's house and Mrs. Honeycutt hits him over the head with the skillet. Yes, bonk. And then he has to admit he's not a personal trainer. He took off because he was actually Jezebel's ghostwriter. Going to be Jezebel's. Yeah, because Jezebel was selling a book that Camilla wrote and Camilla was going to out it. So Jezebel was going to be stuck with no books. Yeah. Right. And if they killed Camilla in the meantime, which was their plan all along between Sam and Neville and Jezebel. Yes. Then they would need somebody to write the next book because it wouldn't be Camilla anymore. And it was going to be Lowry. Whew, that's so confusing. I'm sorry. So this book that Camilla wrote that Jezebel supposedly wrote, it's called Chromosome Wars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Camilla characterized it as chiclet mm-hmm. during her speech. But it's sci-fi. It's sci-fi. But it can be chiclet sci-fi at the same time. Can be. It's it's weird that it's sci-fi. I just I don't like the label chiclet. Just because a book is about women doesn't mean it's chiclet. It I don't know what that even means. It doesn't need to be either. No. But Barnaby it's obviously not very good though. So Barnaby figures out that Camilla wrote the Jezebel book because there's a line in it that was also in the love letter. And he probably thinks that she's the killer at that point. Yeah. So what does he do? Goes to her house. No, no, no. No? He goes to bed. Oh, that's right. He goes, aha, I've got it. I'll do something about that in the morning. Let's wait till the award ceremony. (laughs) Let's wait till she's on stage. After receiving an award. John Denton wins the literary prize. If Camilla disappears that night, it's gone. It's over. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Though... He has a lot of respect for her. He does. He talks to her quite a bit, way before he ever suspects that she's a murderer. Oh, also, he goes to the library sometime in there, remember? Oh, yeah, because he looks at the computer. Because he's forgotten about the research dungeon. (laughs) That's right. Well, the the research dungeon, maybe he doesn't have that newspaper in it. And it means that Cully can be useful because she knows how to search an archive. On a computer. With a browser. Yes. (laughs) It's so, it's not old for its time, but wow, does it look ancient to us. How did we ever use it? I don't know. And when Um, we were using it, we thought it was the thing too. Absolutely. (laughs) There's the award ceremony. Camilla gets an award and Barnaby arrests her. Yep. So then she confesses, but it's an interesting confession because she says, this was entirely done in self-defense. Yes, because Richard and Sam and Neville and Jezebel were going to kill her to prevent her from admitting that she wrote Jezebel's books. Yes, and Camilla's body is a deadly weapon, unable to stop itself from killing people. She can't help it. If somebody tries just to attack automatic. her, just she automatic. just goes into automatic kung fu mode. 
Why did, why was Richard going to kill her? Richard was the first who was going to try to kill her because they, it was, he, she was going to expose the whole uh, publishing company and Sam had offered him a two book deal. Oh, that's right. So Sam paid Jezebel for the books, but then she turned right around and paid all of that money back out again to a company which Retention has a Inc. Or Reiterations Limited, yep. <laughs> which was actually Camilla. Richard discovered that he was going to expose it. Then Sam, Sam said, no, if you don't, I'll give you a two book deal. So he said, OK, so now he's in. And he has to kill Camilla because she's coming over to help him. Right. Yes. And so he tries to kill her. She accidentally, oops, Kung Fu's him and knocks him down a stairway. I don't really understand how they both end up upstairs in this house. Maybe that's where his writing room was or no, something. because it's downstairs with the laptop. In a lot of cottages like that, the only bathroom is upstairs. I can understand So that. maybe she went up to use the bathroom and he followed her. And then tried to Kung Fu her and she Kung Fu'd him instead. Oh, he, he got the Kung Fu all right. She had to kill Neville because Neville was trying to kill her because now it's... His job, like they draw straws for who's going to kill Camilla now. Yep. And she uses a rock to kill him. Jezebel. A rock that's on the roof. Yeah. That's convenient. Yeah, it's convenient. So she hits him on the head and knocks him off. And then, of course, Jezebel is going to do away with her before she can admit that she's the one who wrote the books. And then Sam breaks in the silly man. And just as she's about to kill him, Barnaby walks in. Yeah. So and really, she goes, the whole I managed make- not to kill again. The whole makeout session really was a tussle to the death. Yeah. Yeah. That is my favorite line of the whole episode. She says, at least I managed not to kill again. So Scott bought, bought tickets for Sergio's, which is a restaurant. He made a reservation for him and Jezebel to go out to dinner, which has now turned into a golden envelope. Yeah. I've never made a reservation anywhere, no matter how fancy, that resulted in a golden envelope. Never mind that Sergio's is not the fanciest place in the world. The waiters wear t-shirts and jeans. Yeah. It may have fancy food, but it's not a fancy place. So Tom... Certainly not a gold envelope place. Tom takes Joyce instead, says the publishing world stinks, and says to Camilla, while Cully and... John Denton or Kissy Kissing. At his place, because yeah. he can also cook. But again, we never hear of John Denton ever again. No. Nope. You know who the loser of this episode is? Hmm. The other author in the contest. Yeah. The, um, the Indian girl. Thing is her, her, is her name. Yeah. She's 21. We know that because Scott interrogates her. Scott interrogates her, but <laughs> that's like, she's the loser in the episode. Well, but John earned the award. He didn't get it because of a conspiracy. No, no. I, so I, I agree completely, but she, maybe maybe she's not the loser. Maybe she's lucky. Maybe she's lucky. Because she survived. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about a couple of important things in this episode, things okay. that we found interesting. Let's start with the title. Okay. Sins of Commission. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Which at least one person online was like, Don't you mean sins of omission? And I was like, Crap, did I get the title wrong and feverishly looking through the episode? No. No. It's Sins of Commission. And Sins of Commission is correct. Yeah. So there are Sins of Commission and Sins of Omission. Okay. They are two separate things. What are the differences? Sins of Commission are acts that are sinful. So if you actively kill someone, that's a sin. 
Yes. Right? Of commission. You committed it. Yes. Sins of omission are sinful because of things you didn't do. So if you don't pray every day, that would be sin of omission. Or you leave something out. Or if you you don't help someone who needs help, that would be a sin of omission. And they are both in the Bible. Okay. Sins of commission. But I think sins of omission is just kind of more common, common in, in our language that it's not because a sin is kind of the connotation is that that's an act. Yeah. So a sin of omission is kind of the, the sin that isn't an act. Yeah. It's exactly. a non-act. Exactly. Right? So it, 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 it bears more detail there when we say it, mm-hmm. but commission is also another word for like royalty Royalty or advance. Not royalty as in like nobles. No. Like but commission book, as in like book, a percentage of sales yeah. money, right? Yes. So it could yeah. be a reference to that. I think it's a sly reference to both things. And even though Neville and Richard and Sam and Jezebel were unsuccessful in killing Jezebel. They killing were Camilla. Sorry, killing Camilla. They were still bad people. They were. So even though they didn't pull it off. Yes. They were still bad. They were. She's the one who actually killed people. It's just a reaction. But maybe in self-defense, so maybe hers wasn't a sin, even though it was the commission. I don't buy the self-defense thing. You don't? Camilla's a serial killer. Tom thinks she's going to get away with self-defense. Tom has a little problem with older women who are slightly cute. (laughs) He gets a little bit of the blinders on there. So let's talk about publishing industry stuff. Because that's what this episode is supposed to all be about. Let's frame this in that you used to work in the publishing. Yep. Uh, I've published books. We both have published books. Yep. So we understand how this works. Yep. Now, it is another country, so it might be slightly different, but I don't think it's that different. No. First of all, nobody writes in this book, in this show. Well, to be fair... You're not going to see a lot of people write at a literary festival. Writing is a solitary job. Yes, but the, the fact that uh, everybody has a ghostwriter except for Camilla and... John Denton. John Denton. And is, Singh. Is in no way realistic. No. <laughs> and the fact that... So Sam is the publisher, right? So we assume that... Just because we only see Sam, that there is a bigger company behind him. Because otherwise they wouldn't be carrying a book like Jezebel's, which is this big bestseller everywhere, right? So she's a big time author. So he must represent a bigger company than we see him just at his little piddly desk, right? Maybe it's off in Costin or something. By the way, I've never met my publisher face to face. Certainly not had parties with her. Oh, see, I worked with publishers. I Knew all kinds of publishers, right? But you worked in the publishing industry. Right. But I never saw an editor who acted like Neville. No, an editor just edits the material. (laughs) Editors are your guide as an author, right? So when you're stuck or you want somebody to review something, you send it to your editor. They're also the ones who sort of keep you on schedule and usher your book through the publishing process. Yes. An agent is much more likely to be the one to book a hotel room for you at a literary festival than your editor. Which Jezebel has none of and should. If Jezebel is this big best-selling author, she, she should would have, have an, an agent. agent. She'd have a big fancy agent. Yeah. 
And there would be agents all over this competition because mm-hmm. that's one of the ways they find new people to represent. Right. Like when John wins the competition, there should be an agent going, I'd like to represent you. Right. Instead, they go straight to a publisher. Yeah. And cut the agent out. And maybe because there's no agents represented here, maybe that's why everybody's getting ripped off by the publisher. Because that's an agent's job is yeah. to keep them straight. The agent acts as a go between between the publisher and the author, especially around areas of money and contracts. Mm-hmm. And they are there to protect their clients and make money for their clients. Right. Because they get they a percentage. They don't work for the publisher. They work for the author. Right. But speaking of, of agents and hotel bookings. So when when Jezebel first checks into the hotel, she's complaining about how yucky it is. Lowry's giving her a back massage and she tells Neville that it's a pants pub. Yes. So I tried to find this. I did. I Uh, found it. I I found one review where this guy reviewed this poor little B&B in Oxfordshire and called it a pants pub. (laughs) And he was not happy about it. Well, you know, um, so Brits call underwear pants. Mm -hmm. So you wear your pants under your trousers. So it's underwear. So it's just saying that it's it's an underwear pub like. Like it's, it's so bad that it, it may as well be underwear. It's slang for okay. bad. Okay. I know it's slang for bad, but I didn't, I couldn't find many references to it. It just made me giggle because I thought, what would that be in America? We would say like the underwear shack. <laughs> we would say, you know, if it was, if it was a bad bar, we'd say, oh, this panty bar. It's a panty bar, <laughs> which actually is <laughs> something completely different. Something, again, completely different. Maybe we would call it like, um, uh, like whitey tidy pub. No, <laughs> no, no. Boxer bar. Boxer bar is better. <laughs> Fruit of the loom bar. Yep. <laughs> Banana hammock. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly would not be pants. No pants pub. No pants pub. We that's should. by the way, that's the worst massage ever. Well, he doesn't know how to give a massage yeah. because he's actually a writer with and, bad hair. Yeah. You don't. Oh, well. so speaking of publishing yeah joyce makes me really mad in this episode but why does joyce make you really mad because joyce is hardly in this episode only to talk about how much how little money tom makes and how he could make a killing being ghost writing books like harry does now i'm saying woman get your own damn job i'm gonna be if you want more money what do you do all day hold on I'm going to be nice and say that maybe Joyce is a little tired of her husband working such a dangerous job. Okay, then encourage him to retire. Don't add another job. But, but he's too young to retire. Well, then he's too young to do two jobs. So maybe, I just think like, she's, she's a, not going to see him any less if he's also, if he's a cop and a writer. No, I just think that she thinks that a cop is a dangerous job. And he could make a much more lucrative lifestyle for her and her Fleischwaters. Get to that. If she, he was just publishing. You're being very kind. I, I think Joyce doesn't like that he gets called away all the time. Well, if she wasn't sitting around on her butt all the time, she wouldn't miss him all the time because she'd be doing something else. Exactly. Besides going to clubs and stuff where people get killed. It's like every episode they're like, hmm, which of Joyce's traits are we going to caricature in this episode <laughs> and i like joyce in general and yeah. i like their relationship and i'm glad they have a good marriage like and all that. joyce i love joyce i love joyce 
But in this, this episode, I just want to go, woman, get yeah. off his back. Yeah. Stop trying to guilt trip him while he's trying to solve a triple murder because you want him to have a little meeting with a publisher. Never mind. They set up a meeting with the publisher and all the days in this episode are completely bonkers. I have no idea yeah. where one day starts yeah. and another one starts. It just doesn't. It's all wrong. And you can't even do it by outfits because Cully never changes clothes. No, I tried. Either does Timmy. Where's that Che Guevara t-shirt half the episode? I tried to figure out the, the days and I got lost halfway through. So what are you talking about, about Joyce's fly swatters? Yes. So in Joyce's kitchen, the Barnaby kitchen, for some reason in the curtains in the background. So we're at the, the, the far end of the kitchen, not the end that has the hob and the, the island. Mm -hmm. It's the the dining room end. It's the the dining room end. Mm -hmm. And there's a shot and somebody on Facebook mentioned this to me that there is a fly swatter stuck into the curtains. What? Yes. Like wedged into them? Wedged or into stuck on them. It, it's like it's you know how the curtains are swayed off to one side and there's a little belt around it? Yeah. The the fleece water is stuck in that belt. <laughs> okay, that's called a swag. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> and I I don't know exactly what they call the the little belt that you're calling it, the little band. Yeah. The swag belt. <laughs> The curtains we have that are similar to that have a little hook on the outside edge of the windowsill that you sweep them back into instead yes. of having a fancy little belt for yes. them. But the swag belt. So it's just tucked in there just so it's an easy reach in case she's got to whack something. Kind of. It's <laughs> everything else is either blue or yellow in that room. And this fleece water, I think, is red. I'll put a picture of it on in the show notes. Joyce it's, has got some issues with it's flies. It's clearly huh? a weird situation. That that fleece water is right there. You think somebody left it there by accident? I think that it might have been an accident. This set is all right. Don't <laughs> touch anything. This is a dressed set. Yes. So let's talk about Tim and Kay Settingfield. They're brother and sister. She teaches at the school and he runs a bookstore. Okay. Tim is Mr. Revolutionary, Mr. Hippie Dude, Mr. Hanging Out with the Teen Girls, Mr. Everything I'm Speaking in Latin, the Educated, Erudite Elite, Mm -hmm. who runs a secondhand bookstore. The secondhand bookstore doesn't bother me. He's a hippie. So he's all about, you know, being good to the planet and recycling the books. And it makes him independent. He can do his own thing. Certainly doesn't give him skills in dancing. That's for sure. Or music choice. No, no, no. No. That song also, I think, was made for the episode. Yeah. And at the beginning of the episode, when he's going to see Connor Maplin's grave with the girls... It's kind of sweet. He's like the Pied Piper, and they're yeah. clearly enjoying it, and they're into it. Not and it's playing fun. instruments, but they're having fun. Yeah, they're having fun. But later, when they're at the pool... He's all lecture. We got all these close-ups of girls' asses and bikinis, and... It's just... Ugh. And he's ogling them, and it, that grossed me it out. It doesn't need to be there no. at all. And it they doesn't could, suit his personality. They could cut that scene out. Yep. And it wouldn't make any difference at all. Yeah. He's only there so that Kay can yell at him and get his attention. That is it? Yeah. That's all. Oh. I was disappointed by that. He's such a great actor. Tell us about that actor. Tim Settingfield is played by Donald Sumter. He's been in lots of things. 
Tons of things. Um, he was, uh, he's one of only a handful of actors who were in the original Doctor Who's and in the rebirth episodes, the, okay. the revival episodes yeah. of Doctor Who. Uh, he was also in the original TV version of the ABC Murders, Bag of the Christie, which okay. is really, really good. Yes, he plays the... He plays the, the salesman. The salesman who really doesn't know whether he's not. He's the murderer at some point. He's, yeah, he's very tortured. He's tortured. Uh, and he plays that character really well. He also starred in the Black Panther series back in 1977. Yes. Um, which is a very cool show. But most recently, he was Master Lewin in Game of Thrones. He was the maester of Winterfell. Yes. So he was the... Like he's in the first episode of he, he's Game of He's Thrones. in several seasons. There are seasons where he's not in it. Yeah. Because they're just not in Winterfell. Yeah. But he... His actions basically save the Stark children. Yes. Allows absolutely. them to get away. So he absolutely has a love of the Stark family. Yeah. So Game of Thrones fans really like Donald Sumter. Yeah. Grace Maplin is pl- played by Stella Gonnett. Yep. She's also in another Midsummer House of Elliot. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. She's not. Wrong note. She's in two seasons of a show called House of yes. Elliot. That's what she's That's kind right. of known for. Yeah. But she's married to Nicholas Farrell, who played John Merrill in Strangler's Wood. He was the dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, whose son was Mrs. framing Merrill? him. Yeah. No eggs. Miss Merrill. So, so Stella Gonnett is married to Nicholas Farrell, who played John Merrill. Okay. I never noticed those rhymed before. <laughs> Farrell Merrill. Let me tell you something interesting about John Denton. Okay. He's played by Robert Whitelock. Yep. Who's... He's been in a lot of things, not a ton of things, but a lot of things. But what's interesting about him is shortly after filming this episode of Midsummer, he sort of took a break from acting. Okay. Started a publishing house. Okay. Became a lecturer in art because his big love, other than acting, is graffiti art. Oh, that's cool. And so his publishing house only publishes books about graffiti. Okay. And it's a series called Monochrome, M-O-N-O-K-R-O-M-E. Oh. And they are beautiful. Well, I'll put a link in the show notes to them. You can also put a link to his Pinterest account. Oh, he has a Pinterest account? Excellent. He pins a ton of graffiti stuff. It's beautiful stuff. Of course he does. He's he's pretty cool. He is a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. Tim, Tim's character goes awry. I'm sorry. I kind of ran aside there. But while we're talking about leches, yes, <laughs> lechery, ogling, yes, Barnaby finds Scott sitting at his desk in the police station reading a magazine that looks a little bit suspicious. Oh my gosh! Right, because it's a story about Jezebel, and she's in it like a full page spread, wearing like black leathery things. No, nope, she's wearing nothing. I, I oh, okay. made sure to look. Kind of like the cover of Chromosome War. Yeah. It's kind of like that x-ray kind of nakedness. Yep. It's kind of like that. But you, I'm sure, read every word of the article that he's reading. Oh, boy, did I ever. And it gets (laughs) so interesting. First of all, the title of the episode of the article is Jezebel's... It doesn't have a title. It just says Chromosome Wars. Right. But it's an interview with Jezebel Tripp, right? So one of the sort of sub... Headings is Jezebel Strip's latest novel sees baddest guys take on the baddest girls in the ultimate battle of the sexes. And then it has a couple of quotes from Jezebel. Uh, I'm looking for a guy who's confident and very aggressive. 
extremely aggressive. Okay. <laughs> and then she says, I need a man to take charge and who will tell me to shut. And then it doesn't have, you can't see what else it says. Okay. So th- those are the big quotes and the subheading. And right? Scott's like slavering over this article. <laughs> but then I read the text of the article and found a gem. Did you like zoom in? No, or no, you can read it. If okay. you pause at the right at the right frame, you could read it. Okay. And you find out that it's actually instructions of how to install Microsoft Office 98. What? Yes. They include such gems as if the name of your folder you install Microsoft Office 98 includes a comma, single quotation marks, or an exclamation point, you may have to rename the folder. The whole article, it's like a two-page spread, is all just copy-paste from Windows 98 Office. Uh, installation. The version of this file works both with Internet Explorer and Office-like web features. Wow. Like somebody just took something that they found on their desk or around where they were sitting and filled out that article. Wow. (laughs) I could not believe it. I, I was like... What does that? Where's it? What does it say? <laughs> and I remember I told you about it because I couldn't keep it a secret. It was that too is good. so funny. Yeah, like and this show has been really great at writing articles. And it could have been Laura Ipsum or something could like been, that. It could have been placeholder text. They've never that would used, have been completely acceptable. They've never used Lauren Ipsum in the. Uh, obituary that one character they yeah. wrote the whole obituary right and they wrote they've written somebody some, dropped the ball here somebody <laughs> dropped the ball here <laughs> installation instructions for microsoft office 98 somewhere there is a technical writer who was responsible for writing that instructional copy who has no idea that, that their instructions a, that are in, in midsummer, midsummer. <laughs> So I tried to find the exact instructions. Of like course you where did. Where it was from a manual or anything. you do that. <laughs> I even searched a Windows 98 office instruction manual because they used to come with instruction manuals. Oh, yeah. They used to come with disks, too. Yeah. And floppies. Yeah. Stacks of floppies no, that you had to swap out. No, I couldn't find it. You couldn't so. find it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, if you ever need installation instructions for Office 98, you yes. know where to find this them. This episode is for you. Yeah, you can just pause it and just read them right there. Excellent. From the Jezebel Magazine article. That's epic. It's absolutely That's almost stunning. as good as this is addressed set. Yes. Almost. It's, it's pretty close That's, to that. It's certainly along the lines of the credit card with the woman's name on it. Yes. <laughs> so I got curious because you and I both have our little things that we get curious about. The piggy bank. Yes. So Richard has a piggy bank. The the most stereotypical piggy bank you can. Yes. It's ceramic. It's an iconic piggy bank. It's pink. It's a piggy bank. It's fat as a piggy bank. Yeah. And Neville steals it so he can smash it because there's a key in it and he knows there's a key in it and he wants it. Right. Now, wait a minute. Isn't there like a stopper at the bottom of a piggy bank that you just open it up or. Yeah, but it may not be big enough for that key to come out of. It might have fit in the slot, but not. Okay. bit out of the hole that would be bad that. design I but can... you know it just wouldn't be as dramatic if neville was in his room just shaking it shaking it shaking it shaking it waiting for the key to drop out. speaking of <laughs> neville in his room with the piggy bank so he steals the piggy bank in jeans and the red trainers yeah and then when we see him breaking the piggy bank he has dress shoes on 
stocks and dress pants and nothing else. It's like he's in the middle of putting on his tux and he goes, oh, yeah, I wanted to smash that bank. Smashing the piggy bank. That's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. I couldn't do it with my red trainers because I might get something on them. Because they're so red. They're pretty. You know where piggy banks come from? No idea. Enlighten me. How old do you think piggy banks are? Well, I got to think that piggy banks go back to the beginning of coins. So I'm thinking 2,000, 2,500 years. They go back pretty far. Now, the idea of a bank of a hollow sort of um, clay jar that has a slot. Yes, it goes back to Roman times. Yes. But shaped like a pig. Yeah. That's a bit more recent. Okay. 14th century Java. Okay. In Indonesia. Okay. Is where the first pig-shaped ceramic bank was found. Okay. But in Europe, they come more from the Middle Ages. And there's a reason that they're shaped like a pig. The reason they're shaped like a pig is because at the time when people wanted to save money, there were no banks yet, right? So you had a few coins. You wanted to stash them away, keep them. Wood and metal were expensive. Yes. But clay was cheap. Okay. And there was a common clay that you could find in England by just digging a hole in most places that is kind of an orange pinky color. Okay. And they called it pig. P-Y-G-G-E. Y-G-G-E. Okay. So then, as a joke, people started to make their banks look like pigs. Ah. Pigs made out of pigs. Okay. And since then, there are piggy banks. Piggy banks. Now you know. Now I know. There's a, a beautiful um, image of that 14th century Javanese piggy bank. Oh, we'll put um, that in the show. It's notes. on Wikipedia. Yeah. It's clearly been smashed and then restored, but it looks almost like a sow. Like it's got big floppy ears and everything. Oh. It's incredible. And it's huge. That's cool. I don't know if you could lift it if it was actually full. Oh my gosh. But yeah, piggy cool. banks are made of pig. Oh. But not pork. Now you know. The other thing that I got stuck on is my favorite bit. If your favorite bit of this episode is the Office 98 instructions, this is my favorite bit. When they have the protest at the awards ceremony and the girls come up on stage with Tim and Kay. And And they're all covered in blood. Covered in fake blood and singing, the pen is mightier than the pound. And they sing it to the the tune of... uh, Onward, Christian soldier. Right? That's Onward, Christian soldier. Yes, it is. It sounds like the battle hymn of the Republic. Which is Onward, Christian soldier that you people stole from us. (laughs) Sorry. Us upstart colonialists. (laughs) So the pen is mightier than the pound is a reference to? The pen being mightier than the sword. Yes. Do you know where that comes from? That comes from Shakespeare. No. Oh, Bible? No. Oh. That does where... The Shake Bible. Um, the Bible is where can a leopard change its spots comes from, which yes, is something that Scott swords says... Swords to plowshares is Bible, too. Uh, Scott says, um, where I come from... No, he, he says a leopard can't change its spots, can it? Well, they don't in the jungle that I'm from. Yeah. Leopard changing its spots is a biblical reference. Yes. But the pen is mightier than the sword um, is part of a book written by Edward Bulwer-Lytton in 1839. Okay. Um, 
he also came up with It Was a Dark and Stormy Night. Oh, cool. Which is the first sentence of one of his books, which is now infamous, right? Yes. And because it's so infamous, there's now a, a fiction, a literary award given each year to the book with the worst first line. Yes, I've heard of this competition and they are fantastically the bad. The Bulwer Lytton Fiction Contest. Okay. I would like to share with you the winner of the 2019 Bulwer Lytton Fiction Contest. Lay it on us. So this is the worst first <clears throat> line of a novel yes. in 2019. Yes. And I have to tell you, this is one sentence. That's the, the award goes for one sentence. Are one you ready? One sentence. <clears throat> okay. Space Fleet Commander Brad Brad sat in silence, surrounded by a slowly dissipating cloud of smoke, maintaining the same forlorn frown that had been fixed upon his face since he accidentally destroyed the phenomenon known as time 13 inches ago. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> You know, you want the first line of your novel to be catchy. You know, the clock struck 13 is 1984's starting line. Mm -hmm. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times is Tale of Two Cities starting right. line. Like you want it to be engaging and draw you in. And that's just weird for weird sake. <laughs> okay. Do you want to hear one more? Yes. Okay. So they have, they have uh, sub awards for genres, right? Okay. So this one is the runner up. For the mystery category. Okay. As he pounded on the door, Billy Fortos Capoloni wondered, not for the first time, if he wouldn't have been better off in the joint or even taken a concrete nap. But instead, he straightened his tie and gripped his Bible, determined not to blow his cover in the Jehovah's Witness Protection Program. <laughs> That's so cliche. It's and almost then, so cliche, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big setup for Jehovah's Witness Protection Program. Yes. And all of this is a big setup to say that is where the pen is mightier than the sword comes from, which is why they're saying the pen is mightier than the pound. Yes. <laughs> and we'll, we'll post a link because this, this award has an awesome website. The subtitle of the website is where WWW stands for Wretched, Wright, Wretched Writers Welcome. No, I was wrong. It's not Onward Christian Soldier. It's Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. Yes, which is what I was thinking of too. Yes, not Onward Christian Soldier. So we didn't you, steal no, it no, from no, you. you steal, you've stolen Onward Christian Soldier for something else too. <laughs> well, and there's a, 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 a song associated with the Queen... God Save the Queen. God Save the Queen. We've given that new uh, yes. lyrics in the U.S. too. Yes. I'm sure there's a list. I'll put it in the show notes of colonists stealing songs from <laughs> the motherland. Is that one of your angry lists that you keep? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the time has come for us to talk of corpses. Yes. We have three corpses. We do. Richard Rackham, who died on the stairs. Neville Williams, who fell from the roof. And Jezebel Tripp, beaten with a tent pole. Tent spike. Who is your favorite corpse? I'm going to say Jezebel. Why? A couple of reasons. One, Richard Reckham doesn't even rank a credit. We don't even see his face. No. Except in the picture of him and Neville Smoochin. Yeah. Okay. So, no. 
So he's Neville out. is breathing. <laughs> There's just no way around it. That's kind of the first rule of being a corpse is don't breathe. You can clearly see him breathing. Okay. And Jezebel is covered in blood and does a good dead body stare. So she's still. Yeah. Her eyes are open. Yeah. She's all in that chalk outline position with the f- arms akimbo and the legs akimbo. Yeah. In yeah. that horrible blue shirt. Yes. I agree. Okay. Jezebel Tripp is our corpse of the week. Let's talk about after the credits. Okay. John Denton cleans up. He gets 20 grand and the girl. And his book published probably. Yeah. Certainly it's going to be popular. In addition, Harry. Paulson. Paulson is involved with all these people and doesn't get, a, and doesn't get charged with anything. Well, he didn't really do he anything didn't really wrong. didn't do anything wrong. Camille's going to go to jail. Yeah. Unless she gets away with it because of self-defense. Almost everybody else is dead. If she manages to not kill the judge, maybe she'll get away. Oops, I killed another one. Man. Grace is out of money, though. Yeah, Grace and Mrs. Honeycutt might be going to jail for embezzlement. And Tim knows it. Yeah. Tim's the, really the last trustee that's alive and not in trouble. Tim and Kay both are going to be just fine. Yeah. They're, they just go back to normal. Sam and his wife, Helen Callahan, they're certainly getting a divorce. Yes. But he may be minute, going to jail for fraud. Sam has a wife? Yeah. Helen. This is the first time we've mentioned her. Yeah, because she's not really important. <laughs> it's completely useless. She's not really important. Yeah. No. At first, when she first shows up, I'm like, who the hell is this person? <laughs> you know who's really screwed? Lowry. Mr. Badwig. Yes. Who's he going to write for now? Yeah. Nobody. No. He's back on the streets. No. The fans of Jezebel Trip, by the way, Jezebel, that's quite the name. I did some looking up of Jezebel. That is a biblical name, isn't it? Yes. So Jezebel is a sinner. Right? Yes. She's a prostitute, right? Yes. In the Bible. Okay. Which fits the character. It's, it's a good name for the character. So, but do people really name their kids Jezebel anymore? I, yes. And in they fact, do? Yes. There are 1,656 people in the United States named Jezebel. Isn't that like naming your kid Harlot? More than less. This, More than likely. Oh, the baby's so pretty. Oh, her name's Harlot. Yes. What? Jezebel. Her name's Prostitute. So then I was like, okay, what about Jezebel Trip? There's less than one person in the United States named Jezebel. Okay, that would mean none. So none. Okay. So then I was like, my last name's Bell. Is there a Jezebel Bell? <laughs> I hope not. That would be a crazy name. That would be really bad. Uh, there are no people in the United States with the name Jezebel Bell. Good. Which is sad. <laughs> but are there any Jezebels? Because <laughs> that would be even worse. <laughs> I, I didn't look that up. But, <laughs> Did but, you ever consider naming a daughter Jezza if you had a daughter? No. <laughs> you didn't think about no, that, did you? <laughs> but uh, my first wife and I briefly considered the name Isabel because I really like that. Name. Isabel Bell? But Isabel Bell is just an accident waiting to happen. The answer is yes. Yes. A Bell Isabel. Yes. Isabel Bell. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I would have just called her Ding Dong all day long. <laughs> uh, people call me that anyway. So. <laughs> wow. Who can, oh. People give their kids funny names for all kinds of reasons. Maybe they've got a good reason. I don't know. Mm. It's a family name. No. <laughs> 
We come from a long line it's of a, prostitutes. It's a biblical name. No. 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 It is a biblical name, but... Uh. Jezebel, go get your brother Satan. We're getting in the car. <laughs> no. <laughs> they would be Gigolo. This is my daughter Jezebel and my son Gigolo. <laughs> Gigolo no bell. Wow. We're slap happy now. Lot and his wife. Yes. So that's sins of commission. What do we have next? What's coming up? Uh, next is Made in Splendor, Ooh. which is the most aptly named pub episode ever named. Ever Finally, you get an aptly named pub. Because the, well, the pub in this one's called the Quill Inn. Oh, yeah. Okay. But this, the episode is about a pub named the Made in Splendor and a painting named the Made in Splendor and a story named the Made in Splendor and a crazy old man named the Made in Splendor. And the episode is called Made in There's Splendor. There's a man whose name is no, Made in Splendor. No. Okay. <laughs> but there is a crazy old man. So we've got uh, two, two little things going on. One is that by um, Wednesday or so, we're going to post a, a list of things that if you like Midsummer, you may also like. So yes. if you are stuck at home like we are. Absolutely. And need some um, diversion from Corona. Yep. Maybe you'll like some of the things that we list. We'll try to find... Um, Put some things on the list that aren't so common that maybe you haven't watched yet. Uh, and we encourage you to contribute your suggestions. The other little thing is something I'm working on that Mark doesn't even know about until now. Oh. Um, I have a theory. Yes. That in Midsummer Murders, certain kinds of crime happen in certain kinds of villages. Okay. I am conducting an analysis. Okay. Of the kinds of murders that happen in each village. Okay. And for next week's episode, I will have my results. Oh, excellent. So I'll be able to tell you why Badger's Drift is so bad. Oh, I'm it's interested. Badgers. Badgers. Bad Badgers. And, you know, diving otter sperm. It's just strange. Yes. Um, so far, I have uncovered some interesting patterns. Excellent. I will have data to share. You can find Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. Also posted on the Facebook groups for Midsummer and Acorn, the subreddit, which we're pretty sure is run by a person who's not interested in the show. So I'm going to try to. Yeah. If anybody knows who, um, who the moderator is of the midsummer subreddit. Yeah. We can't post to it now. Uh, it's completely frozen and he seems to not, he or she seems to not be responding. He hasn't posted in three years. Yeah. So if you have any idea who that is and you can reach them, please do. Otherwise we have to go through this convoluted process with Reddit to try to, but you never know. I I might be the moderator of the midsummer. Uh, Midsummer Murders Reddit subreddit. Yeah, that'd be fun. Next week, Maiden Splendor. Yes. Until then, episode well. thirty three oh seven, uh, season seven, episode five, Maiden Splendor. Until what then? Be well. Take care of yourself. Do what you need to do. Take care of the people you love. Jezebel, wash your hands. <laughs> Dirty Jezebel. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. you keep flipping through the magazine you're gonna have a lot of editing to do that's true because i can hear it okay just saying i know so you know so stop okay so the fan the family's big house with the um put it away sorry
I'm going to have to say all that again. Okay. Because <laughs> all I can hear is. Okay. 